today on It's Time. 30% of Christians do not believe that Jesus physically raised from the dead. Well, if Jesus hasn't rose from the dead, our faith is in vain. We have nothing to speak of. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Good morning to everybody. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 11. Exodus 11. We look at the 10th plague now that's going to come upon the land of Egypt. Now what I think is really amazing about this is that it's the 10th plague, not the first plague. Which means that there has been nine plagues beforehand to get Pharaoh's attention. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And this is certainly what has happened to Egypt and Pharaoh concerning the nation of Israel without being conquered, thereby invite, because of Joseph's interpreting a dream for Pharaoh and uh, averting the great famine destruction that would have come upon Egypt if it hadn't been for him, but now turned into slaves. The cry from the people of Israel went up. The Bible says God heard their cry and sent their deliverer Moses. We remember that Moses tried intervening for the children of Israel. He killed an Egyptian that was beating an Israelite. They, instead of being grateful, turned him into Pharaoh. Moses heads to the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. And there, hiding out, sees a burning bush walks up to it when he doesn't see it consumed. And the Lord spoke to him from that bush, saying, Go set my people of Israel free. So this is where we come. He goes, tells Pharaoh, Let my people go, that they may come and serve me. And Pharaoh hardens his heart. The more miracles that God did, the harder his heart got. And you know, I have found that to be the case with the Pharisees or anybody else that is in a posture against God. The more miracles that God does, doesn't always make a person believe in God. But in this particular case, it hardened his heart, just as it did with Jesus doing miracles, hardened the Pharisees' heart. Now, did Jesus harden the Pharisees' heart? Well, you might say, yeah, he did, in that he provided the miracle in which they adversely reacted to it. Just like Pharaoh. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, may these words come alive in our heart. May you remind us of your faithfulness. And for every person listening in this room, Around the world, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would rest upon us. And God, that we would remember these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I always pray that God would help me remember things because I forget so much stuff. You ever notice that? You go into a store to buy something and you go in there and you go, now what did I come in here to get? 
You ever go out to the garage, guys, and say, I'm going to go out in the garage and grab that? You go out there and you go, whoa, what did I come out here for? And you bring something in the house because you know you're supposed to do it. And you bring it and you go, what did I bring that in the house for? Well, we forget. That's why I believe the Bible says to be renewed by the Spirit, God's Spirit, in our minds. And I believe that, again, we need that because we do forget. Think of all the things that God has got you through as a Christian, through your life. You know, whether you've been saved a day or whether you've been saved uh, 50 years. I mean, you, you know, you got a big trial and you cry out to God. Oh, God, get me through this. Please get me through this. And God gets us through it. And we go, wow, God, you're great. Hallelujah. And we're out having a hallelujah breakdown. And, and then what happens is our next trial comes. And then we go, God, where are you? Well, isn't it amazing how quickly we can forget the victories in our lives that God has given us over the past? And then yet the next trial we forget. Well, thank God. God understands our frames and that we're frail. Well, as we look at this today, God dealing with Moses, God dealing with Pharaoh. So we find here that uh, chapter 11, verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, I will yet bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. He's not going to just let you go. He's going to kick you out. Now, you got to remember, Pharaoh's magic men, counselors, came to him and said, Look, hey, we can't copy anything that that this God of Israel is doing. You better capitulate. You better give in because there's not going to be nothing left of Egypt. You got to remember these plagues that came upon these nine plagues. And you would think it would have softened Pharaoh's heart. It would have got his attention, but it didn't. And I look at the nine plagues, friends, as God's mercy, even to Egypt, even to non-believers. The 10th plague, though, this one is going to be extremely severe. For up to this point, nobody, people, have died. Their livestock have died. Their their uh, uh, ecosystem is pretty much goofed up. They've lost almost all their food because of the, as we studied last week, the locusts that came upon the land. And what all these other plagues didn't destroy, the locusts finished off. Then the darkness came upon them. And every one of these plagues were really beamed at the gods of Egypt, whether it was the frog god, whether it was the god Ra, the sun god, all of the gods that they served, all of them, God smashed it. And it is interesting sometimes when God deals with individuals, maybe you can think back in your own life, when God began to deal with you, the very things that you had trusted in are the very things that let you down. Well, you know, man, I've got my friends. And then your friends let you down. Well, hey, I got my woman. And she leaves you. Well, hey, I've got my money. I lose my job. 
Hey, I've got, and we have all these different things that we put our trust in. And I think a lot of times God just lets those things fall on their face to show us you cannot trust in things of the world, but you must trust in God. And God, I am alone. So we want to be sure to do, uh, again, to remember that God does these things because he loves us, getting our attention. So he says he's going to kick you out. So, verse 2. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor, every woman from her neighbor, articles of silver, articles of gold. So the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, uh, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now, here's why. The people of Israel did not experience the wrath of the plagues. And friends, that got throughout the land of Egypt. Now, when the children of Israel went, and, and some of your, the, the old King James says the word borrow, but if you really look in the original Hebrew, it's the word simply to ask. In other words, they weren't going to say, hey, let me borrow your uh, earrings for tonight. And then tomorrow I'll give them back. No, because they were going to leave. So God said, go out and ask. Just say, give me something. Isn't that weird? So God tells Moses, tell the people of Israel, go to the Egyptians and say, give me something. Okay. Now, why would they do that? I believe at this point, Egypt was scared to death of the people of Israel. You don't know what next crazy plague is going to come. And I believe when they came and said, can I have something? You might call it trick or treat. They came and they said, give us something. I think they were going here, take this and this. Anything else you want in here? Just please, no more, no more darkness, no more plagues, no more locusts, no more frogs, no more lice, no more anything. We just, whatever you want, take it. Well, you know, this is kind of interesting because God put it in the hearts of the Egyptians to give to them. Now, why? Because they were hard taskmasters, the Egyptians were. And this was one of the ways that God in his divine providence says, you're going to pay back for the slavery you put them in. You're going to pay back the children of Israel. And so they gave them gold and silver and whatever they asked for. And it says, Then Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out throughout the midst of Egypt, and the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn and the maidservants behind the handmill, and the firstborn of the beasts. In other words, the firstborn of all the land of, e- of Egypt is going to die. Wow, this had to be it's like some kind of a crazy thing that he was saying. What he told the children of Israel uh, was about to happen. Now, first of all, I think this is really important because Jesus said something really important in the Gospels. He says, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants, 
but friends. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. It's God's good pleasure to let you know what's on the heart of God and what's coming down the pipe. You know what I mean by that? That's why we have the book of Revelation. That's why we have Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21 and book of Daniel and Ezekiel and all the prophetic books that oftentimes we that uh, believe in the Bible, not all Christians do. In fact, do you realize only 30% in a Barnhouse study, only 30% of Christians calling themselves Christians believe that Jesus physically raised from the dead? Think about that for a minute. 30% of Christians do not believe that Jesus physically raised from the dead. Well, if Jesus hasn't rose from the dead, our faith is in vain. We have nothing to speak of because then Jesus didn't have power over death. And by the way, that's what this 10th plague is about. There's some interesting parallels in the Bible. Jesus said like this, he said, search the scriptures in them. You think you have eternal life, but they are, which testify of me. Now, a couple of things here we want to look at very quickly. All of you are aware that even Pharaoh's son died in, in this, in this 10th plague. We'll get up to that in a little bit, but you want to remember a couple of things. The Bible says, he that knew no sin, speaking of Jesus Christ, became sin for us that we would be the inheritors or we would be the the receivers of God's promises. Jesus became our sin. That's why when he was on the cross, he cried out, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he became you. He became me, our sins on the cross. Isn't it interesting that Pharaoh's son dies and the very next thing that happened is the children of Israel are on their way to the promised land. Jesus Christ dies for you and me and we are on our way to the promised land as well. Isn't it interesting that the focal point of the 10th plague was that the sin of Egypt finally was manifested so great death was required and Jesus Christ became your and my sin that died on the cross in our place. I like that. Jesus paid a price I could never pay. And for you, that's why it's such, it's a, such a great thing. See, that's what makes you, me, not a cult. Because a cult says, in order to really be forgiven, you got to get out there and knock on doors. In order to be forgiven, sell flowers in airports. In order to be forgiven, you've got to know our church's creed. You got to jump through the hoops. And they have all these things that you got to do in order in some way to be acceptable to God. Isn't it great to know you're acceptable to God right now, right where you are today at this moment, not because of anything you and me have done, but what God has done for us. I like that. We are wrapped in his righteousness, friends. God doesn't see all the rotten things that you and me have done in our life. What he sees is that righteous coat of Christ wrapped around us. If you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, you're standing in your nakedness of your sin. Everybody, uh, God sees it all. But the Bible says that he wraps us in that blood coat of righteousness For this reason, Christ died. Your sins are forgiven. You know, the devil would do nothing greater than to drag your past back into your face again and throw it at you. And, you know, he gets a lot of of mileage by doing that to Christians. 
He just does. Look what you did yesterday. Look what you did five years ago. Look what you did 10 years ago. Yeah, I did do those things. I'm a bad person. I mean, that's what we get. Because we know by nature we're sinners. But we pass from death unto life. And now the Bible says we're new creatures in him. And when I look back, I look at the cross. When I look forward, I look at a risen Savior. See, this is why it's important that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead because we have life eternally. He demonstrated that he had power over death. Now, this is what this whole 10th plague is about. Because the unbelievers, the firstborn dies, the believers, not one thing happens to them. Let's go on. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before or ever like it ever again. But against the children of Israel, there shall shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, and you shall know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. God does make a difference, friends. Between the world and you. Remember that. It doesn't matter what's happening to the world. What matters is your relationship with God and your relationship with God. God is greater than the things that Satan has purposed against you to destroy you. I've seen this over and over and over again in my own personal life. The devil wants to kill us. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And like a Timex, we take a licking, but we keep on ticking. I don't know why everybody wants to beat on a Timex watch. That's one of the great things I was, I was, you know, have you ever, did you ever see those commercials years ago with Timex? Takes a licking and keeps on, ah, my name is Bill. I found my Timex watch out in the field after two years. It was still working. Well, I would say maybe Timex ought to spent more time on making a better watch band. Just a thought. But the thing is, as I look at this, I realize we are a focus of the devil's wrath because he knows all the influence that you're going to have in a world that doesn't know him. And that's why you are buffeted. You know, the devil doesn't waste time on people that do nothing for the kingdom of heaven. You know, the, David said that. He, he said, I become envious of people in the world. Nothing bad happens to them. They just kind of bump along. While they're on their way to hell, he doesn't have to do anything with them. But you are a live fish swimming upstream. And let me tell you, the devil comes against us with all of his wrath. I believe this is what the Pharaoh saw in the children of Israel. Pharaoh saw the benefit of what the children of Israel were doing for Egypt. I believe the world likes to take advantage of us as well. You need to be aware, because if you don't know that, that God makes a difference between the world and his own, that's a lie that the devil would like to say, oh, it happens to everybody the same. No, it doesn't. Now, you say, well, if I'm a Christian and God loves me, why do I got to go through the junk I go through then? I don't know. You know, I wish I just had a really good answer I could give you other than this. God in his love trains us for what is to come in the future. And I know sometimes the lessons come hard, and they do. 
But I tell you, a lot of times I have learned hard lessons and I never forgot them. Anybody here, if you've ever um, had a hard lesson, whether it be a blue lights in the rearview mirror or whether it be something you did wrong in making something or putting something together, you learn the lesson. And the next time you don't make that mistake. And I want to just encourage you that God sees it all and God does make a difference in your life, because again, you represent him in a world that doesn't know him. Verse eight, all these, your servants shall come down. And by the way, verse eight here is kind of a a reflection of what has happened over the last nine plagues. All these, your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out And all the people who follow you, after that, I will go out. Then he will, then he went out from Pharaoh with great anger. By the way, Moses became angry at Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was extremely angry at Moses. In fact, on the uh, last plague, the one before, he said, Pharaoh said, if I ever see you again, Moses, I'm going to kill you. And Moses said, great, dude, I don't see you either. <laughs> and he left. Well, notice it says here, but the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. You know, if you go back to chapter 5, Pharaoh said, who is this God of Israel? <laughs> okay, you want to know? Roll the tape. And that's what happened. When he said, I don't know who this God is, well, let me introduce you. And that's what Moses did to God. Now, again, it wasn't that God was trying to destroy Pharaoh, but God knowing how to put his finger on the problem in an individual's life. This, friends, is what God specializes in. He knows. As an example, remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. The Bible says he was a rich, young ruler. Man, those are three things that are cool. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. Now, usually sometimes you'll find somebody a ruler, but they're usually old by the time they got there. But this guy was rich, young, a ruler, comes to Jesus, and he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said to him, sell all you have, give the money to the poor, Come and follow me. The Bible says he went away sad because he was very wealthy. Now, here's the point. Jesus knew exactly where... And by the way, before he said that, he said, um, he said, uh, you know what the commandments say? And he says, I've done all those. I've done all those things since I was young. Rich, young ruler, and, and kept the law. That's pretty impressive. And Jesus said, there's just one thing you lack. Oh, I love that. One thing. I wish God would look at me and say, just one thing, Mike, you lack. I think God would look at me and say, Mike, there's about a billion things you lack. But God says, just one thing you lack. Boy, this guy was good. He was good, real good. One thing you lack. Sell what you have, give the money to the poor, come and follow me. His money was his God. And God put his finger right on that thing. 
That's what you got to do. And the response was, he went away sad because he was very wealthy. And that's when Jesus said, how hard is it for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. The point is, is this. And, and I've seen this in my own life. Maybe you have too. You know, you, you, you come to Christ. You've got a $5,000 a month drug habit. You're partying down all the time. Your car's a wreck. Nothing works. But man, I'm cool. And you get born again. God comes in your life. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I've been wasting a lot of my resources. I've been doing a lot of stuff with my money I shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden now, for the first time after you're born again, you turn everything over to God. God, hey, I actually have a few dollars in my wallet. (laughs) That never happened before. Because if I had a few dollars in my wallet before, I'd go buy a baggie, you know? So anyway, you, you, you do all these things. And, and, and now you start having money. See, but, and when, when we come to Christ, that's the way it is. See, I mean, I mean, you know, and I've used this illustration a lot, but it's so true. Oh, Lord, let the washing machine do another load. Oh, hallelujah. You know, we're just, you know, oh, God, let it start one more time. Oh, thank you, God. But all of a sudden we start getting money. Because God got a hold of our lives. It's the principles of God applied to our life. Now we have money. I buy a new car. I don't pray about my old, my car starting anymore. It's new. It's under warranty. I don't pray about that anymore. And the washing machine. I got a brand new and I don't pray about that anymore. In fact, I don't pray about anything anymore because I bought everything new. See what happens? He looked at the rich guy and said, the thing you lack, so it shall give the money to the poor, come and follow me. What's amazing, all we know about this guy, he was a rich, young ruler that kept the law, okay? But we don't know his name. Had he done what Jesus said, we would know who he is, like Matthew, Mark, and all the other disciples of Jesus. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.